Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 5 this morning. We're going to jump into the word. Children are dismissed for children's church this morning. You might notice, you said, what did you do with your kids? They're with the grandparents. And uh, so we're missing them as well as enjoying some moments of uh, quiet. But we miss them, all right? Miss them a whole lot. It just changes everything. We come in on Sunday morning. They all have their assigned where they're going to go and what they're going to do. And uh, so I miss them very much. But um, we're grateful to be together today. Matthew chapter number 5. And we're going to read the Beatitudes here this morning. Matthew 5 and verse number 1. Jesus, seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You read verse number four with me. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The meek are those with their strength under control. It's it's motivated by humility. Many of these are. You read verse number 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Let's read verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Verse 10 together, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. And verse 12 together, rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Our Father, we give you praise for this message, this sermon that Jesus preached so many years ago, oh, how it has so much application to today. It's like he could have preached it in our church today. Oh, Lord, what a, what a wonderful privilege that would have been to, to sit at his feet and to hear this message. And Lord, I ask that you would put me aside and that you would help it to be just that. By your Holy Spirit, would we sit at the feet of Jesus and take in this message about, about making certain that we are following after a pure heart, that we are seeking a pure heart. Lord, help us today. I pray if anyone today does not have their sins washed away, their heart made clean by the blood of the Lamb, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation, that they would not leave without knowing that for certain in their heart. I pray that you'd help us today. We need your word more than anything. I need your word. And so would you feed us with heavenly manna, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. And you may be seated. So, 
you've been praying, and I appreciate that this past week, last Saturday night. I guess it was probably around uh, 7, 7.45, somewhere in there. I was sitting in the office here, getting ready for Sunday, and uh, I was sitting there and looked down at my phone and realized that I'd missed a bunch of calls. My brother had texted me emergency. My wife had texted me 911, and, and, uh, and so I, I called her back. She says, I've, I've called several times. None of it came through. And so for a few moments there, uh, there was just all sorts of scurry going on in our family. And some of you have been through this, and I, I, I can identify all the more. Um, not had a lot of health scares with my parents, but can identify all the more with you that have had uh, some health scares with family members. But uh, the thing I heard, my, uh, my wife told me, she says, your mom has had a cardiac arrest. And I, I didn't know if she was alive, didn't know if she was, uh, didn't know everything that was uh, going on at that point. So I quickly call uh, some of my brothers and, and um, figure out what's going on. And she's had a cardiac arrest. And I did finally get a message that she, they got a pulse back. But uh, somewhere, I just briefly talked to my dad before coming into the office and, and everything was fine. But uh, she was sitting there eating at the kitchen counter and just slumped over. And my dad was right there. And he immediately began CPR and, uh, and called the EMTs, and uh, he had his Bluetooth in his ear, and he was following their instructions, and he must have done CPR for a while. Um, they say you do good CPR when you break the ribs, and all of her ribs were broken, and she was, she was kept, a, uh, kept alive uh, there, and I don't know how long he was. I haven't gotten that, that, the time stamps on that, but uh, he's, uh, he's told other people, he said it's just a very traumatic experience and, and so on. So um, I uh, praise the Lord in a new and fresh way for my dad and the strength and the grace that God gave him in that moment to continue to uh, give, her, uh, give her CPR until the, uh, the EMTs came. Um, There's no blockages, so it kept blood flowing to the brain, so she was able to talk and speak like nothing had ever happened. However, uh, when the EMTs got there, they shocked her six times. Um, and she was loaded into the ambulance, and my dad didn't even know if she was still alive when she was loaded into the ambulance, and um, they took her, and they finally got back a pulse on the way to the hospital. They took her to Fort Wayne, to Luther Medical Center there, and, uh, and when uh, we arrived there that night, um, she was in the emergency room, and she was talking. She was in pain, but she was talking, and um, it was good to see her, and, and um, in that moment, I just didn't know if um, I'd get to see her again. Um, I'm over here three hours away, and it seems like three hours isn't that much of a distance, but sure don't see, uh, see them enough uh, with just the, the craziness of life, you know. In that moment, we were all on the way over to Fort Wayne. All, all the siblings were online just giving each other updates and, you know, and talking all the way there. Many of the siblings, all of us got there by, um, by Sunday. Some drove through the night to be there, and uh, the Lord brought us all together, all six of us together, uh, to be with my mom this past week. And I thank you for uh, just... Um, being flexible uh, last Sunday, uh, it was a crazy Sunday for, for us. There was a lot of things to navigate. Sunday night, she had another cardiac arrest in the hospital. And so we were just, uh, even as I left her uh, one of the nights, I stayed over on mon uh, Monday night in the, in the waiting room just because that had happened the night before just to be some support to my, uh, my dad. But you didn't know, right? You don't know. Life is so precious, right? We all have breath today. Probably all complained today about something, right? coffee wasn't strong enough. I don't know. Wasn't quite the right temperature when you woke up. Pillow went flat on you during the night. We probably all complained about something, but we have life today, right? Um, so that's just kind of a, a new and fresh reality uh, for me. My mom is, uh, she, my, 
be listening, and I say 67, sorry for um, uh, given the age, but 67 and hasn't had many heart, um, health scares. In fact, the last time she was in the hospital was when she gave birth to me in 1984. And uh, so the Lord gave her grace to be there in the hospital, and so she was in, t- in intensive care all week, and uh, the doctors were trying to figure out what was going on, no blockages, uh, what, what stopped the heart, and it came down, uh, they don't know for certain, but it came down to some sort of rhythm issue, and I know some of you have rhythm issues in your, in your hearts, and I know, Miss Jeannie, you've, you've had your, your bouts with some of the rhythm issues, but uh, basically it's kind of an electrical issue, whether, whether you're just, your, your, your heart keeps beating, or whether it goes into a death rhythm, right? Um, but there's something really stood out to me in the, f- the last doctor that came in and talked to us before the procedure she got to have an implanted defibrillator or pacemaker defibrillator. Uh, he sat down with us and just answered questions for the family, and uh, we're all like, why is this happening? And, and what's going to give us confidence that it's not going to happen, right? We don't have confidence. We, and the Bible says, don't boast yourself of tomorrow, for you know not what a day it's going to bring forth. So we, none of us have, including me, have confidence that we'll be living tomorrow. By the way, if there's something in between you and another person, you probably ought to get it taken care of today. If there's something in between you and your parents, to the best of your ability, you probably ought to get it taken care of today. That has become very, there is nothing, nothing worth holding on to. Jesus has forgiven you of everything. Forgive whoever it is. Let it go. That's a side note. The doctor sat down with us, and he was talking, and we're asking questions like, what caused this? And, you know, he's saying, you know, here are your options. You can wear a life vest for three months, or you can, you can get this thing implanted. What caused this? Well, we don't know, and et cetera. We've tried. We've done all the tests. We've done an MRI on the heart and, and so on. We've done all these tests. What caused this? Well, he said something that really triggered my attention. It was this. He said that there are some viruses that can get into the heart and cause rhythm issues can't really see them but there's something foreign an agent an infective agent that can get in the heart now i don't know if if that's what caused us really don't but it piques my uh, my interest we're fearfully and wonderfully made are we not like the fact that a little unseen virus can do so much damage can take you out Something I realize very, very clearly right now, very certainly, is that the purity or the health of my physical heart is really important. Like, I don't want a virus in my heart. I don't want any infective agent inside of my heart. Are we all agreed on that? We want to be, we want to be clear. We don't want to put anything into our body that would affect our heart in, in, in a wrong way. Right? Eat your Cheerios. However, those got associated with healthy heart. It says it on the box. A good advertising campaign. But nonetheless, here we are in this, in this, this beatitude, this, this introduction to the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is kind of laying out the constitution for the, the kingdom of God in the millennium, but also for the kingdom that he set up in the hearts of believers. And he says in this introduction, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. We understand the importance of purity in our our physical heart. We understand that an infective agent in our physical heart can do great damage, but do we understand that impurity 
foreign things that God never intended for us to be involved in or think on in our heart will cause great damage and will hinder us from being able to see and understand and perceive God. Do we understand and value the health of our spiritual heart, of our inner being? And Jesus says here, blessed are the pure in heart. I don't want anything else in there but what I have prescribed. I don't want any other, any other thoughts in your heart but that which are according to Philippians 4 and verse number 8, that which are true and that which are, are praiseworthy and good. Think on these things. I want it to be pure. So purity matters to God. Purity really matters to you. You go to the restaurant this afternoon, the waitress or the waiter brings you a glass of water, and there's a brown floaty thing in there, you're going to ask for another thing of water. Right? Purity matters to you. But does the purity of your spiritual heart matter to you today? And this is what Jesus was saying. Listen, guys, you can have all things in order in life. You can have all your ducks in a row, but if your heart's not pure, there's going to be a problem in your relationship with God. There's going to be something that, that you miss out on life that God really wants you to have, and that is to be able to see God. So I think about the heart. thought about it a lot this week. But maybe God would like us to think about our spiritual hearts. You know, I, I have no doubt that there's people with pacemakers in here and those that are on heart medicines and so on. Today, let's take a look at our spiritual heart. Let's realize what Jesus has said is good and appropriate for us to consider today, and that is that we would have pureness in our hearts, that our hearts would be full of purity. Let's notice, first of all, the preface to purity, the introduction to purity here. You realize in our day, absolute truth is actually not just put aside, it's despised. We talk about a moral compass, don't we? That person's lost their moral compass. What are we talking about? It's really absolute truth. What grounds you to what is true and what is right. Now our country has lost its moral compass. People have lost their moral compass. They don't have any, anything anchoring them down to truth and, and right. They don't know right from wrong, it seems. It seems like they call right wrong and wrong right. There's no moral compass. And, and we realize that even the absolute truth of the Ten Commandments has been pushed out of society. It's not wanted. Isn't it amazing? The very things that we, uh, we have law enforcement to, to curb. Our society has pushed the directives out of, out, of its, out of its face, out of the schools and out of the courtrooms. Thou shall not kill. Well, we still arrest people for killing. Thou shall not lie. We still bring people into court for committing perjury. Or we should. It's amazing how absolute truth has been pushed out of society and we, we get all upset about how it's, it's ruined society. But here's the other interesting thing about our, our culture and society. It wants to determine and declare, it wants to be in the place where it says, this is right and this is wrong. And as Christians, as Bible believers who read the Bible, and I hope that you do, it's the only way you're going to stay straight. As Bible believers we see a world that is telling us this is right and this is wrong. And we're going, what? That's not how I grew up. Or in the words of Barney Fife, that's not how I heard it. Right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, this doesn't even make sense. They've lost their, their moral compass. They've lost absolute truth. They've kicked it to the curb. Let me give you 
a couple of illustrations in preface to all this. Some of you are familiar with a, a guy by the name of Kirk Cameron who's been on a library tour through our country to read a book that focuses on the fruits of the Spirit. It's a, a book that challenges kids to, to do what is right, to follow after what is right. You know, in, in Alabama, when he, he read, he's read in different, in different places, but in Alabama, you know who comes and, and shows up to protest? The drag queens. We have all these drag queens. This, Kirk Cameron says, hey, listen, I'm, I'm going to do this as a healthy biblical alternative to the drag queen story hour shows that are going on around our country, which are wicked. They're plain wicked. It is wickedness and full. It's Sodom and Gomorrah is what it is. We are living in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah where this is being put not in front of, this isn't even put as R-rated and, 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 and tucked for adults. This is being put in front of the children of our country. But to show the absolute loss of moral compass, it is said to be dangerous to read, dangerous, and even there are quote-unquote religious leaders that have said it's dangerous for Kirk Cameron's book and it's okay for the drag queens to have their story hour. Do you realize how convoluted our culture has become? I'm going somewhere with this. I'm not preaching to our culture. This is believers, mainly believers in here today, right? So I, I, let's not salve ourselves in the, in the corruptness of a culture. We, we, I'm going somewhere with this. So we have, we, have, we have this type of stuff going on, and we're like, what in the world's going on in our, our country? I think, about, I think about the reality of, of the books in our school libraries, in our public school libraries. There's an 11-year-old boy in Maine that went and uh, stood before uh, city council in, or before the, the school board in that, in that city, and he began to read, and I heard the reading of the excerpt, and I would not even read it in, in, in public. It was so vile and so wrong and so wicked. And he reads this as an 11-year-old boy because he had taken this book home out of the school library in front of the, uh, in front of the school board, which they, they shut him down because they don't want it brought out in public. But vile, vile descriptions of sexual activity. And this is in our, in our school libraries. And this isn't just in one isolated event. This is happening around our country. And they're perverting the minds of our children. They're telling us what is right. It's okay to do this. By the way, the same people that are saying it's okay to do this, they still go after those that, that harm children sexually. What a perverted society we live in. We teach them while they're young to do vile things, and then we crucify them when they're older. Something's messed up with this. This is not right. It's wicked. Why would an 11-year-old boy, I have, I have children around this age, why would an 11-year-old boy have to confront some adults about the wrong? Where are the adults standing up and doing this? By the way, you need to be interested in what's going on in our school board here in this city and in your community. You say, it doesn't affect me. It will. It will. You are to be a salt and light everywhere. In the back of our prayer sheet, we pray and have listed for us to pray every week for our new su um, school superintendent, Miss Mindy. We ought to pray for her. There's much pressure against these. So we have these types of things going on. What about the fact right now Right now, in our, in our state, there is a 
constitutional amendment to put abortion back on the books far worse than Roe versus Wade. And I've spoken to this, and I'm going to speak it again today because it is, it is a vile threat to the lives of the unborn right now. So that they could perform abortions all the way up through birth, and that children, young teenage girls who want an abortion, do not have to get the consent of their parents. It is vile. It will set us back 50 years in the, in the fight for life. You need to tell all your friends, everywhere around, if someone's coming and asking you to sign a petition, don't sign. Be very weary of signing petitions right now. Okay, so what I'm getting at, this is just kind of the tip of the iceberg. You can find many, many more stories about the vileness in society. This is a society that wants to tell you what is right and wrong. This is a society that wants to put ratings on your movies and say what's good for children and what's not good for children and what's good for adults and not good for adults. They have lost their right when they kicked the moral compass to the curb, when they kicked absolute um, truth to the curb. They lost their, their ability, their authority to say what is right and wrong. This world has no right to tell you what is right and wrong in your home. They've lost their authority. They say right is wrong and wrong is right. And here's what I'm trying to drive at. Friends, if we're going to have pureness in our hearts, we cannot be looking to the world to define purity for us. If we do that, we will be tracking behind the world about 40 years or maybe even less. We'll be tracking behind the world. We cannot look to the world or what is acceptable in society. This is what is wrong with a seeker-sensitive church. It is constantly minding, what is the world doing? How can we appease them to get them in? Friends, that is not what Christ called us to be as a church. That has caused the demise of churches. When the world becomes the standard for how we do church and how we follow Jesus, we're in big trouble. And we might as well get a letter, the same letter from, from Jesus Christ that he sent to the seven letters of the, um, the churches of Revelation. The world does not have the right to define purity. Don't give them that right in your heart. Men, don't give them that right. Everyone looks at this stuff. Listen, don't give them that right to, um, to define purity in your life. Well, I only do it once a month. Don't give them that right. They don't have that right. The only one allowed to define purity in your heart and in my heart is God Almighty. And I want us to look down here. He says, Blessed are the pure in heart. Who's talking about this? It's Jesus. He's the one that has the authority. God and his specific revelation of himself is given in the word of God. I hope you have a Bible today, digital or print. I don't care. I hope you have a Bible and that you've been reading it this week. He has the authority in this book. This is what tells us what is right and wrong. Leviticus 19 and 2, it says, Speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, speaking to Moses, and say unto them, Ye shall be holy. Okay, well, what's holy? He goes on. For I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Ah, so he tells me to be holy, and then he says, and here's the standard. It's me. Now, far too long, Christians look one to another. They look to their spouse, and they, well, She's not very spiritually on fire for the Lord, so I guess I'll coast. Or he's not very spiritually on fire for the Lord, so I, I guess I'll just kind of veg out my Christianity. Listen, you cannot look to one other person in this world as a standard for where you are with God, for the standard of purity. 
God alone is the standard. He is the one who sets himself, I am holy, I want you to be holy. I'm calling you to holiness. So he says, blessed are the pure in heart. The pureness in heart is going to be defined by God. Pureness is simply the idea of a cleanness, a, a state of cleanness or free of guilt and sin. Does it mean sinlessness? Does it mean sinless perfection? No. It does mean there's nothing between my soul and the Savior. It does mean that I've nothing in between me and another person that I've not tried to make, make right. The emphasis here, J. Oswald Sanders says, is on inward purity and re in reality in contrast to the external respectability. It's, it's, it's the idea, I'm not, I'm not looking to try to show off some sort of self-righteousness. I'm really focused on inside. I'm going to be pure. I'm going to be clean before God. I'm going to be right when God sees me. Do you know the Bible says the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword? piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit is a discern of the thoughts and intents of the heart for all is naked and open unto him with whom we have to do you know god sees it all and god wants to see purity in our hearts he defines purity he wants to see purity purity is not defined by the other believers it cannot be defined by other believers purity is not defined by me purity is not defined by me the book you have in your lap defines purity for you. The only issue is sometimes the pastor gets flack because he, he announces what purity is supposed to be. And you know, in, in our comfortable American Christianity, sometimes we don't like to be confronted. Right? The reality is, God defines purity in black and white. And in red words in your New Testament, okay? He, he, he defines it for us. So we must seek after purity. 1 Peter 1 and verse number 15. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Oh, it's just an Old Testament thing, all this holiness stuff. It's all just an Old Testament thing. No, it's a New Testament reality. As he which has called you into salvation is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. As it is written... I love this. Peter just bases it upon the scripture of the Old Testament. The authority of the Old Testament. As it's written, be holy for I am holy. God wants holiness. He wants purity. Purity is defined by God, but it's developed in our heart. It says, "Be blessed are the pure in heart, that inner self, your innermost um, being, your, your mind, your will, your emotions, everything internal, what is not seen by you and I when we walked in and shook hands this morning. He wants purity in our hearts. He wants purity on the inside. The Beatitudes contrast to the Pharisees' lives. They were all concerned about purity on the outside. Wash your hands before you eat, right? Make sure you're doing the right things. Make sure you wash your, your uh, go through all the ritual, uh, ritual washings. Make sure you do all these right things. Keep that outward appearance going. The Beatitudes are in contrast. God's not saying don't worry about the outside. He is saying Make sure that your heart is pure, because if your heart is pure, then the outside's going to be pure too. Problem is, many times we settle for a pure look. We can sound pure in a public prayer. We can look pure serving in ministry. Right? We can have it all together. Everyone... 
they look like they have it all together. They're faithful, they're, they look pure, but here the issue is pure in our verse, in our beatitude, is an adjective. It defines the heart. It's what the, it's to describe the heart. And so God is saying, I, I bless those, I give grace to those, I give my favor to those that not just, they, they aren't looking after a pure look, they're actually defined in their heart as being pure. It's a, a heart that is actually pure. It's, it's holy, it's set apart, it's, it's clean, it's, it's not dabbling in sin, it's not doing one thing on the outside but on the inside. Oh, I wish I could just be free to sin or do whatever I please amazing how many times that the world has such a grip on our hearts before a person ever runs out into the world and just throws off all the the quote-unquote restrictions of the bible their heart was going there a long time before a long time god says i want pureness in your heart i want your heart i want you to be developing holiness in your in your heart psalm 51 and 6 behold thou desirest truth in the inward parts he didn't say, just walk in truth. I want truth in the inward parts. Psalm 24 and 3, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in this holy place? The idea of being in his presence. He that hath clean hands, do you know the rest of the verse? And a pure heart. And a pure heart. Who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity or emptiness, nor sworn deceitfully. The idea is that internally and externally this person is walking with god they're pleasing god they've developed this purity in their heart that's the one that's going to be in the presence of god say god seems so distant from me how's your heart how's your heart gail moody said if i take care of my character my reputation will take care of itself so often we try to flip those around character being who you are on the inside and who you are when no one's around so often we try to flip those around i i want to preserve we hear a lot of politicians talk about this we want to set up our legacy well you know if you do the right thing when you're in office you'll have a good legacy it's mind-blowing <laughs> it's kind of astonishing if i if i walk right then what follows is going to be a good legacy amazing how people have to craft it and shape it no if we'll take care of our heart the reputation will follow mind the heart mind the heart so it's a matter of purity god defines it and it's developed in my heart you ought not walk out of here this morning thinking i just got to be i got to act more pure you get to the heart of the matter get into the heart and start allowing God to do the work there. If you're always saying the wrong thing or the off-color thing you're always tempted to do, something's wrong in the heart. You're always going there and you have friends that say, that was too far. Something's not right in the heart for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. So, I, I guess that we as Christians ought not just know about purity and that God desires that, I guess we ought to pursue it. We ought to want it more than anything. 
Many of you have been saved a long enough time to realize this doesn't happen overnight, right? This is an ongoing battle until we see Jesus Christ, until we're glorified, right? So don't get weary of the battle. It's a, it's a pursuit, and I use that word on purpose. It's a pursuit. We need to pursue purity. Purity is the characteristic of a, a passion-filled disciple, not, not a passionless disciple, a quesera, sera, or a whatever will be, will be. No, a, a passionate disciple is going to be pursuing after and pursuing after purity requires us, first of all, to be honest about our condition. The Bible says your heart and my heart, get this, is desperately wicked. Who can know it? You say, well, I, I came to Jesus and, and I thought all, that, all my sin was washed away. Positionally, yes, he washed away every single sin. But the reality is you and I still struggle like Paul did, Romans chapter 7, in the flesh. How many of you are still struggling? How many are struggling today? My hand's up. And the rest of you, I want to talk to you. I want to see how you're doing it. I want to figure this out. My heart's wicked. You're going along and just, where did that thought come from? God, that was so, that was so wrong. Our hearts are wicked. We are, we are living in this flesh, and we have to constantly be on. That's why we have to take every thought captive. We have to grab a hold of it and say, that was wrong. We're prove every wrong thought. That was wrong. God, I, I reject that. I, I'm against that. You're against that, and I stand with you. Our hearts are desperately wicked, Jeremiah 17, 9. Who can know it? It asks. So this tells me, if I'm going to be honest about my condition, I can't let my gut be the guide. I can't. I can't let my feelings be the guide for what's pure. Are you with me on that? Now, we live in a feeling-driven society, but we cannot let feelings be our guide. We have to reject that. We have to let absolute truth be the guide. We see a society that's gone haywire because their feelings are their guide. But we need to be honest about our condition. My heart, my heart is wicked. All right, why don't we just say that together, okay? Let's just get, uh, get uh, comfortable with being honest about that out loud. My heart is wicked, all right? We, we all struggle with that. You can look to your neighbor. In fact, do that right now. Don't, don't say your heart is wicked, <laughs> all right? But you realize every one of us struggle. It's nonsense for us to walk into a, uh, into a church gathering and for us to, to think, well, they got it all down, I don't got it down, or I got it all down, they might not have it down. If you have those types of thoughts, we all have desperately wicked hearts and we need to deal with it. We need to get honest about it. But that leads us to being humble. God, I have a limitation. I can't see all the areas that I struggle with. And be humble about the limitation that I can't see. I have blind spots. How many wives here say, my husband has blind spots? Leave it alone, leave it alone right? We all have blind spots. I have blind spots. I've told people, and I've even told people in this day, get close enough to me, you'll see, you'll see, you'll see some warts, right? Just reality. Not, not real warts, you know what I'm talking about. You're going to just see things that are like, huh, God needs to keep on working on pastor. Yeah, he does. And I need him to. And he needs to keep on working on you. I have a limitation. I can't see everything. And so this is why 
the psalmist, Psalm 139, verse 23, search me, O God. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Know it. Give you permission. Bring it in. Not too many of us would offer to one another, come search my house. Turn it over. This is what the psalmist is inviting God to do. Just search it all. Just see it all. See what I think about. See what has my focus and attention. Search it all. Search me and see if there be any wicked way in me. Try my and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God, I, I am limited in my ability to see all the areas that I need to make sure are pure before you, so I'm inviting you to come in and search me. Jeremiah goes on to say that after Jeremiah 17, 9. He says, the, the Lord alone knows the heart. He tries the reins. I, I need him to help me, help me out. And so the reality is you and I oftentimes fear to ask God to search us because we fear that he's going to tell us there's something that's out of whack. It's out of line. It's not pure. Mature believers, mature believers will invite God. Will invite God to search our hearts because we want to be pure before him. Why? He said, blessed are the pure. Blessed, blessed. Do you want to be blessed this morning? You want to have the favor of God upon your life? Invite him in. Invite him into your life. Say, Lord, you already know, but I'm giving you permission to, to, to declare to me, this is not pure and I need you to take care of it. Yeah, he might, he might just have you cancel something. He might have you radically amputate something out of your life. He might have you to, to part ways with a friend that always brings you further away from God. He might tell you you need to stop having that emotional affair. In fact, if that's the reality, he's going to tell you that. Whatever the case may be, God will come in and he'll say, this is not right. Why, to hurt you? No, because a pure heart is something he can bless. And so we invite him in. Lord, I want, you to, I want you to show me where I'm off. With humility. I love how the disciples, when Jesus said, I'm going to be betrayed, the disciples all look at one another, but then ask Jesus something. Do you remember the question they asked? Three words. Is it I? That was an amazing moment of humility. These guys, including Peter, who have been arrogant many times, is it I? Wow. You and I need to say, Lord, is it I? Where am I going off? So this humility about our limitations, but a hunger for purification changed me, created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. It, it is God that must do this work. So God, I'm asking you to clean me up. I'm asking you by your word to clean me up. I'm asking you to change me by the spirit of the Lord, as it says in 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 18. I I want you to take me, as I look into your word, I want you to take me from glory to glory and change me, even as by the spirit of the Lord. It was God that does the changing of our hearts. Peter told the, the, the Jerusalem council in Acts chapter 15 when he was referring back to how God was working among the Gentiles. He said, uh, he said in, and he put no difference between us, the Jews, and them, purifying their hearts by faith. God was working in their hearts and he was changing them, these Gentiles, these, these heathens, he was changing them by faith as they were expressing faith in God. God is the one that changes our hearts. That's why it's the delightful thing 
when someone comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest thing that we can do for them is get them into the word. Because the word itself will begin to change them. Too many times we try to become the one who, who oversees the construction or the reconstruction project. Well, that's out of whack. You know what? Give God time. But there's probably some things in our lives that are out of whack. Let's, uh, let's mind our hearts. And so... We want to be hungry for God to purify us. We want to pray with the psalmist, create me a clean heart, O God. But I want to just touch on this again. And it's impossible to get away from this because this is a, a, a message on the heart. If we're going to truly have a clean heart, a pure heart, we have to hone in on the heart. We've got to zero in on the heart. You cannot become pure just by isolating yourself. We live in the midst of impurities. We are clicks away from vile impurities. We are confronted with impurities even as we listen to the news or as we go about life. There's impurities. You can't even sit down in a restaurant and not hear conversations that are full of impurities. Right? There's a man... How many of you have heard the story of Simon the Stylite? Years and years ago, it was this monk that, that decided he'd live up on top of a pool, a flagpole, to get away from the world. All right, so that's an old story, but there's a newer story. There's a man that lives in the, in the country of Georgia over in the Middle East, or over in that, that vicinity, and uh, he lives on a 131-foot tower. He just lives up there to get away from the world. Get close to God. Get away from the world. What drives him there is that by removing him from society, culture, removing him from impurities, he can get close, close to God. He has to have his food hoisted up there by his followers. He comes down, I guess, twice a week, just enough to, to take care of things. But it's, a, it's, it's this rock formation, and on top there's a, there's a building, 131 feet up there, and he stays up there. He's been up there for some 20 years. He did this after he'd spent some time in prison, and after he got out, he decided, I'm going to live up here and get close to God. You cannot become pure by isolation. Say, where do you get that? Turn your Bibles to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Jesus said this in John 17, verse 15. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from evil. Jesus is saying, my prayer, Father, is not that you remove my followers from the world, take them out of the world, but that you would guard them from evil, that you would keep them from evil. Verse 16, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. The moment that you got saved, you changed your citizenship. You became a citizen of heaven. You're not of this world. You're in the world, but you're not of this world. The problem is, we still act like we're of this world too many times. I don't know how, how many of you, we, we still want to go after the same things that thrill the world. We want to have the same pursuits, the same ambitions, the same goals as they, they have. It, it, it doesn't work for the follower of Christ. We're not of this world. We live for another world. 
And he goes on to say, the way that he's going to keep them is through his truth. We'll get to that in a moment. But what I want us to realize, Jesus himself did not pray, take them out of the world, Father. They come to me and get saved and they, they zip off the glory. No, he said, I want you to keep them. I ask that you would keep them in the world. I'm thankful that that prayer is still in effect today for you and I. The reality is, you cannot become pure simply by isolation. You must deal with the heart. One man has said, the heart of the problem is always the problem of the heart. The heart of the problem is always the problem of the heart. Well, I just don't know why I said that. Look at your heart. Amazed how many times people say something and then say, oh, I was just kidding. I was just kidding after I realized the explosion or the hurt it caused. The heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. Well, this is just me. This is just the way I am. The heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. We have to deal with the heart. Keep thy heart, say it with me, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Guard your heart. Look at your heart. Jesus said, you can, you can worry all day, and people are fastidious about what they put in their bodies, or a lot of people are. Like, I, I can't do this, I can do this, and we, all this, this focus on, on fitness and, 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 and making sure I get my right electrolytes and all this, uh, this stuff. There's, there's place for all that, but you know what? How many times are we not fastidious about what goes into our hearts and our minds? And Jesus said, it's not what you put in your mouth that defiles you, it's what comes out of your heart. It's, it's your heart, and out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. And out of the abundance of the heart, out of the heart, there's, there's adulteries and fornications and, 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 and wrong words. And he goes on and he says there are all sorts of evil that defiles comes out of the heart. Deal with the heart. Hone in on the heart. How do we deal with this matter of the heart? Friends, we must continue to do the simple thing that the Lord told us in the book of Psalms, in that praise book, hide God's word in, thy, in your heart. Thy word have I hid, help me, in my heart that I might not. You know, if we put God's word in our hearts on a daily basis, it'll change, it'll change, it'll change our hearts, it'll purify our hearts. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Hide God's word in thy heart. Psalm 37, 31 the law of God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. None of them. I love going through continued discipleship. I hope that if you've not taken it, that you'll, you'll make it a goal, that you'll go through continued discipleship as well. But continued discipleship was something that stood out to me in the second, second lesson was this. The more we know about who God is, the more we can, be, can become like him, in his moral attributes. The more we know about who God is, the more we can become like him in his moral attributes. The reality is, the more you get this book inside of you, the revelation of God inside of you, the more you will know and, and become like who he is. Oh, he's holy, so I will be holy. Friends, one of the most important things that you and I can do this week is to be in the word. If I were to ask us to be honest about how much time we spent in the Word last week, or if we were just in it on a, every day of the week last week, could you answer, yeah, I had a time 
with God. We're not getting ritualistic about this. But if this is the, if this is the way that I'm going to be able to walk in purity, it sure seems, if I want to be a pure-hearted disciple of Christ, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make some time. Well, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. Too busy for 15 minutes? Too busy to turn it on on the way to work? We don't have an excuse. I was just talking to this guy in India that I referenced. They don't have Bibles. They don't have a preacher that, that stands and, and opens up the Word of God and, and, and preaches right doctrine. He says some of these churches, they, they don't even know if Jesus Christ is God, and, and there's preachers leading these churches. They, they, don't, have, they don't have good doctrine. You and I here in America, we do not have an excuse for not being in the Word of God. And yet, some of the most vile impurity in the world is being pumped out of America. The Muslims here, oh, that's the Christian nation. We don't want anything of it because America's the one that's pumping the vileness into our country. Not that they're the standard of morality. We've got to be in the Word. And if you're going to be pure, it's going to mean you're going to reprioritize your day and you're going to have some time with God in the Word. So I don't understand it. Read on. Keep reading. Keep reading. You know, sometimes I don't understand everything, but I'm sure thankful I have the Holy Spirit of God inside. And He'll, he'll help me. He'll help me. Sometimes it, it's a little while before, oh, yeah, that's what He means. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom and then teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. When we have the word of Christ dwelling in us, purity will come out. There will be rejoicing. There will be praise. There will be the ability to teach others about what God has said. The word of God in your heart, not in your head, is the determining factor of purity in your heart. There's a lot of believers who know a lot of things about the word of God. It's a whole uh, whole other deal to have it in your heart. He says, hide God's word, not in your head, in your heart, that I might not sin against God. That I might not sin against God. Jesus said, sanctify them, set them apart, purify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Let's say that together loudly. Thy word is truth. That's how you're going to get clean. That's how God said, I'm not going to take them out of the world. I'm going to keep them in the world. I'm going to guard them through my truth. So basic. So basic. If you get one thing, Just go home and make sure that Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, Thursday morning, Friday morning, Saturday morning, until we gather back together again, that you're in the Word. Let it purify your heart. So we have to, we have to, we have to hunger for it. We have to hone in on the heart. We need to hide God's Word in our heart. Lastly, and I want us to grab a hold of this, what happens when we hide God's Word in our heart? It changes all of our perspective. Our perspective begins to change. The perspective of the pure in heart, they see God. That's what the um, the Beatitude says. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They'll perceive God. They'll understand God. They'll they'll be able to uh, be enlightened, and not in a a weird way, but the the truths or the realities of God will be illuminated to them. It's like a light bulb moment. Ah, I get it. I get it. One man said the pure in heart, this Christian is truly blessed with God and God alone. Problem in our American culture, we, get, we think that the blessings are everything that's tangible that we can feel. The pure in heart 
is just satisfied with God. In fact, the psalmist talks about that in Psalm 17, verse 15. As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness and purity. I will behold thy face in in purity. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. All I want to do is, is just to be like you. That's what will satisfy me. Friends, God says there's a blessing upon the pure in heart, and it is that they they get to see God. They get to understand God. They get to to be able to perceive what he wants and what what makes him glad and what makes him happy. They get to perceive him. God is enough for the disciple who is pure in heart. Is God enough for you? Oh, man, I don't know. I don't know if I could could deal with being locked away in a prison, just, just me and God. I don't know if I could suffer for Christ in that way. God, God must become everything to us. And that will only happen if we are pure in heart. Only happen when his words are hidden away in our heart. The pure in heart see God. They get to see God. Don't you want to see God? Don't you want to understand what he's doing in the world? Don't you want to understand his word? Don't you want to be able to understand what he wants from your life? Don't you want to see God, be able to understand that person, they always seem like they, they haven't, they, they must have a special phone line into heaven. They always seem they have a spiritual perspective about the matter. Do you know why? They've been hiding God's word in the heart and it's been making a difference, it's been purifying the heart, and they understand things of God because of the purity of the heart. That's what the Beatitude says Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. But one more thing the pure in heart have a clear vision. Clear vision. The idea of seeing also carries the thought of clearly and distinctly. So not just to see, but to see clearly and distinctly. Hebrews 12 and verse 14, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. God says it is is a holy life, it is a holy heart that enables a man to see the Lord and Ultimately, we understand that. Uh, when we are saved, he, he declared us righteous, and that's the only way we'll stand in the presence of God. But friends, right now, in our practical day-to-day life, the only way that you'll see the Lord and see what he's doing in your life and what he wants from you is if you are walking in holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. J. Oswald Sanders said, sin befogs the vision, and it certainly does. A person who is dwelling in sin has sin in the heart will be very, very double-minded. They'll, they'll be struggling for clarity in going forward. They'll be asking, I just don't know what the will of the Lord is. I, 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 I just feel totally befuddled, and, and I'm struggling. They'll, they'll always have like a glaze over their vision. They'll not be spiritually perceptive. They will not see what God sees. They will not care about the needs of the lost. Friends, I am convinced of it. One of the reasons you and I do not care as much about the lost world around us is we do not value a pure heart. Because those that are pure in heart will see God. They'll see what God wants. They'll they'll go in God's direction. They'll understand the heart of God. Purity in heart affects everything, and it gives us pure vision. Unto the pure, all things are pure. Have you ever been around a person where everything is tainted? Every comment is turned. Seems like they're always pointing out the sin in someone. Unto the pure, all things are pure. Pure people believe the best about others. It's amazing how all this comes out of the Beatitudes. Jesus later on in, in, the, in the Sermon on the Mount would talk about 
looking for the moat that's in somebody else's eye. Well, there's a beam in our eye. It goes back to the same thought. When I'm, when I'm impure, I'm going to be looking at all the impurities of everyone else. That's what I'm going to focus on. When there's purity in my heart, I'm going to be believing the best and hoping for the best and praying for the best. Praying for the purity of my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, my family. Cleanness in the heart, Sanders goes on to say, brings clearness of vision. Clearness of vision. We need some clear vision. Friends, when I look at what's going on in the world around us, in our country, it, it, I believe I'm in a, a state of prolonged mourning, and probably some of you are too. It is, it is absolutely wicked. And I have been tasked, and we have been placed in this time, this period of, of history, to, to be here. We're not going to be able to navigate the next several years without clear vision. We are not going to be able to have fruit, more fruit, and much fruit, according to John 15, without some clear vision. There's going to have to be the ability to say, this is where God wants us to go. We're going regardless of the consequences. That is not going to come when there's sin in our hearts. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. There is going to be a hindrance in our relationship with God if we do not deal with the heart. And why is that important for every single one of us as members of this body together? If we don't deal with our hearts all individually, we're going to be limping as, you ever see a person with, you know, one foot's out of joint or something's going on? It affects the whole body. Friends, if there's one member that's limping along, we all need to be dealing with our hearts so that we can be walking in purity together and seeing God has left us here for this reason. We're all going together. Listen, some of you might, ah, you know what? The people around us, they've all had a chance to to hear the Bible and read the Bible. and You know, they've had their chance and I'm I'm not going to be involved in trying to get it to them. Friends, you do not have clear vision. God has put us here in this, in this community for a purpose. And that purpose is to declare, to herald the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what affects that in our lives is when sin is in my heart, we don't herald it. I can, I can personally attest to that when I'm grumpy with God. How many of you have ever been grumpy with God? You do not feel like going into Walmart and talking about God. It's only after I say, Father, I was wrong again. I'm sorry for not trusting you. I'm sorry that I have not trusted your promises. I've thought on things that are not, not, not positive, not pure, not true, and, and my heart is just depressed. You know what I'm talking about? See, it all goes back to the heart. And when we walk in purity of heart, I guarantee you, you deal with whatever God is showing you in your heart right now, that specific issue that he's saying, I want that out because this is hindering your purity. I guarantee you, your workplace will look different tomorrow. The grocery store will look different tomorrow. Why? Because you, you're able to see God. You're able to have clear vision. What does God want? I want you to turn over to Isaiah. We're, getting, we're wrapping this down to close, but forgive me. I, I was gone last week. <laughs> All right, so... But I'm, I'm really serious about this. 
we got to deal with this. Our time is short. We don't know if we have tomorrow, and we don't know what's going to continue to happen in our world, but there are people that don't know Jesus Christ all around us. It's a reality. It is, it is so everywhere. Turn to Isaiah 6. Are you there? Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. I, I want to bring it all to a, a close here with this. Isaiah chapter 6. I love this passage of Scripture because it kind of gives a glimpse into the throne room of God. Isaiah was a prophet. He was a preacher. And uh, shortly after a king that he uh, really admired had died, King Uzziah, um, Isaiah was a bit down and uh, struggling. Where do we go from here? In the, king, in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah chapter 6, you all there? Say amen. All right. The year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and, and lifted up, and his, his train filled the, the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he did fly. With two, he, uh, he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto the other and said, let's see this together, holy Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. So peel back, that's what we get a glimpse into heaven, right? That, that triumphant um, worship is going on right now as we speak. Can't wait to get there and join it. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. So Isaiah's taking all this in. Right now, he is getting a glimpse into the throne room of God. He's getting a, he's getting, he's getting a firsthand experience of, of who God is and the worship that goes on around his throne of his holiness. That's what he's seeing. The same thing that you and I ought to see when we read that Jesus took time for the, the, um, to, um, for the, the, the leper on the way. He took time for blind Bartimaeus. He, he, he always said the right thing. His words were full of grace and truth. The same thing as we look into the life of Jesus. Isaiah right here is seeing God. And, and notice his response in verse number five. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone. There's a total resign there. There's not a, oh, look at me, God. We hear people say that all the time. Well, God will let me into heaven. I'm going to heaven because I'm, I'm a pretty good person. No, no, no. He's totally undone. Mute, as it were, before the Lord. Resigned. Undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Notice he didn't say, because I dwell in the midst of a bunch of sinners. No, he took ownership himself. I'm a man of unclean lips, and so isn't my country. For mine eyes have seen, have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You see God in his word? You look at God in his word, it's going to change you. You hide his word in your heart, it's going to change you. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hands, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar, and he laid it on my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. Just a picture. There was 
a cleansing that came to the heart and life of, of Isaiah that day as he looked to the Lord. A cleansing. But here's what I want us to grab a hold of. Verse number 8. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord. I want us just to stop and think. You know, when there's a pureness in our heart, when there's a cleansing in our heart, do you know the first thing that you'll be able to, to see different in your life? You'll be able to hear the voice of God. The Bible tells us in the Old Testament that he speaks to us in a still, small voice. Many times the reason we miss the voice of God is because we, we drown it out with so much other noise. So let's say it this way. When there's a pureness in my heart, I'll be able to hear the whisper of my creator. I'll be able to hear when he whispers into my heart, this is what I want you to do. Talk to that person. Be right with that person. Way to go. I love you. Thanks for honoring me. We'll be able to hear the whisper. But go on in verse number eight. The Lord himself says, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? The Lord begins to say, I have something that needs to be done. Here's my will. I, I need someone to go. I need someone to go for me. And it's amazing that the pure in heart will not just hear the whisper of God, hear his voice, but they'll also understand or see the will of God that needs to be accomplished. They'll be able to see what God wants done. They'll be able to see his will. I hear people all the time, I don't know what the will of God is. Friends, too often we're looking for a location or a location as or the will of God. We need to start getting our attention on God and making sure that our hearts are right with him. His will, be, will become clear. Isaiah did not have to wonder what God meant on that day. Who will go for me? Who's going to go for me? Who's going to go? The will became plain. plain. God made it, made it clear. God's not playing cat and mouse with you. He wants to show you his will. He wants to show you his will on a daily basis. Those that are pure in heart will be able to see the will of the Lord. But lastly, look in there in verse number eight. Then said I, read Isaiah's statement with me. Verse number eight, then said I, here am I, send me. Do you know what? Our work for the Lord will become clear. Our work for the Lord will become clear. Well, I just don't know what to do. You know what? You won't have to worry about it if you're walking with purity of heart. When God cleanses you, all these things, the whisper, the will, and the work of the Lord that we need to do for him, it will all become clear. It'll be plain before us. We'll be able to see our way through. And friends, all I'm asking you of you today is, is this. Deal with the heart. I can't deal with it for you. And it's impossible for me to, I, I, I can look at our, our lives, we can, we can see the fruit of, of what goes on in the heart, but the reality is none of us can peer inside of one another's heart. We need to get alone with God and say, search me, O God, and know my heart. See that there be any wicked way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. That's what we're being called to today. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They'll see God. They'll understand what he's doing in the world. They'll have clear, they'll have clear vision. And Isaiah chapter 6 illustrates that for us. I want us to think about this, uh, this that Robert Murray McShane said, in great measure, according to the purity and perfections of the instrument, will be the success. It is not great talents, God blesses, so much as great likeness to Jesus. 
a holy minister is an awful weapon in the hand of God. So well put. But friends, you and I, sometimes we, well, I want to be effective for God. Those that are going to be effective for God are those that will have a pure heart, that see God and see clearly what God wants them to do. We need a pure heart. Let's say the beatitude together. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. One more time, a little bit louder, like, like you're still here, okay? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I want to see God, don't you? Let's ask God to help us with this. Let's do some attention to our hearts this morning. Let's stand to our feet. Now, the prayer, Father, I need you to search my heart. Try me and see if there be any wicked way in me. I'm asking that that would be the desire of every believer here in this room. Lord, what a world that you've allowed us to live in. We praise you for the life that you've given us right now. Oh, the, the, the perversion of this world. But you told us that by your grace, you would teach us how to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. We can have a pure heart. God, more than anything, I desire that. Pray that that would be the longing of every heart here. So help us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. With your heads bowed, the altar is open. I encourage you to find a place to pray right now. Lord, I want a pure heart. I'm going to deal with the heart. I want you to come and pray and find a place here at the altar. Let's spend some time talking to the Lord. Right now, the altar is open. Let's, let's do diligence. The most important thing on today's agenda is this. is God's word, heeding his word. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.